Welcome back to the Coach Mike Podcast. My next guest is actually the first professional fighter that we've had on the podcast. He is in the UFC. His name is Drew Dober. He's in the lightweight division, and he has a fight this Wednesday. Yes, that's right. A fight that is going on even during this pandemic. Uh, thank you, Drew, for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's quite an honor to be the first professional fighter on the show. You know, I follow you on Instagram, and um, I followed you because I watched your fights. I've seen you at work, and how did you end up in the fighting profession? I think martial arts just drew me in. Uh, when I was really, really young, you know, watching the John claude Van Damme films, uh, Sylvester Stallone with Rocky, um, I just fell in love with that, that um, you know, what people else like love about fighting films. It's just that, that human will to overcome obstacles. And uh, I just loved martial arts, so I joined it and, and fell in love with it. Uh, to me, it was like a, like dance, pretty much. Like it's movement, technique, and uh, cardio. And it wasn't until I saw my, my first cage fight that uh, I was like, this is what I want to do. When you watched that first cage fight, was it just you had a ton of adrenaline rushing through you? or? Uh, actually, no. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like uh, It was kind of scary. But, um, you know, watching the full fight, it was like a physical chess match. These guys were just bouncing technical moves off each other, just back to back, you know, and, and it was just, it was beautiful to watch. And uh, it was like these, these moves like this, this fight is not, is not fake. Like it's not like WWE or like the Kung Fu films. Like this is actual real guys playing this physical chess with each other. And one guy, you know, came out victorious and uh, I was like, man, that's so amazing. And I want to give that a shot. What did your parents think when you decided uh, that you wanted to be a professional fighter? I was raised by a, a single mother, and uh, she's absolutely crazy. So she she loved it. Um, you know, I think uh, she saw uh, glory or great things from me since I was like really young. So when I was like, I want to be a fighter, she's like, Yeah, let's do it. When you say crazy, what do you mean? She's just outrageous. You know, being a mom and a dad at the same time, and she was trying to get me to be like, like an actor yeah. or a musician or a model. Or and so I was like, I, I want to fight, and she's like, All right, well. We'll do that then. Did you have a relationship with your dad growing up? No, I didn't meet my dad till I was 18. Wow, really? Why was that? Um, you know, I think he had his, his situation. I think uh, him and, it, and my mother kind of agreed to, like, raise me. You know, like, he would be out of the picture and she would raise me solo. And uh, there was really no ill will. Uh, my mom, she did a fantastic job being both mother and father and, uh, and raising me to the best of her abilities. So um, then I met my dad when I was 18 and I was... That's pretty casual. That's got to be a trip, though. Like it, meeting your dad at 18 years old and you had to have grown up wondering, like, all of my friends have dads and my dad's not showing up. Then you finally meet him. Do you feel like that was a helpful experience meeting him after not knowing him for 18 years? In, in all honesty, uh, in, in the area in which I grew up and the friends that I had, uh, not a lot of us had actual fathers that stuck wow. around. So it wasn't unusual, you know, in, in the area that I kind of grew up. Um, but uh, having the ability to meet my dad, I don't think it really changed much other than, I guess, just being satisfied with who I am and, and truly just appreciating what my mom has given me in, in my life. So, you know, it was great to meet him. Um, and like, I still carry on a, a relationship with him. But uh, yeah, I just think it just really taught me like morals and values that I follow. And do you do you have siblings? I have uh, five half siblings. Okay. Oh wait. So so all from your mom or? No, no. I have um, a half sibling with my mother, 
So that's the one I grew up with. And then uh, I have four or five half siblings from my dad's side. You grew up in Nebraska, right? Yep. So you started to become a successful fighter. And at what age did you go, this is going to be my career? Because you're 31 now, right? I am. I am. I think at the age of like 13 or 14, I was like, I want to make this into a career. And it was at the time there was really no money. And like these fights were in like local bars and stuff like that. So it, it was, this is, this is what I want to pursue. And I was going to do it to the best of my ability. And uh, after I graduated high school, I turned professional. You know, I had to carry a lot of odd jobs to, to kind of maintain this, this glorified hobby. But uh, I always had my eyes set on, you know, this is what I want to do for a living. And I was going to make it work no matter what the, you know, what the obstacle is. Wow. And then how quickly did you enter into the UFC? Uh, I turned pro when I was 20 um, and I entered the UFC when I was 25. So it took me five years to get into the UFC and I've been in the UFC for about six years now. Going back to mom and dad, you get into the UFC. Do they start coming to your fights? Both of them? One of them? Yeah. Uh, my dad's been to one. Um, I, I had the privilege of fighting in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is 30 minutes from my hometown. So you got to go to that one. And then uh, I try to make it a habit of trying to bring my mom to as, as many fights as possible. Um, cause yeah, she, she loves it. She adores it. And, uh, somehow she always ends up cage side. I don't know what security's doing, but I, I exit the cage after a win and then here's my mom just right outside. Got it. And then do you, are you currently in a relationship now? I am. I am. Do you want to build out a family? Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, kind of like a lot of my goals outside of, uh, fighting is uh, creating that, uh, that, that life of having a family, children. Hey, all you true crime fans. This is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. So I got to understand. So you're you, when you get ready for a fight in terms of like the day of or let's say the, the 20 minutes before, what do you do that you feel like gets you the most prepared to not have some enormous adrenaline dump at the beginning, but also not be too passive either? Like, what, what do you do to prepare? Uh, I mean, I've been working on this for a very long time. But uh, for me, uh, it's it's being in the moment and then enjoying the process. And that's, that's kind of how I consider fighting. Fighting to me is a performance and, and it's fun. And, uh, you know, in 20 minutes before a fight, it's always drawing my thoughts into the current moment and trying to enjoy every, every second of it. And do you enjoy every second of it? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's hard work. And of course I'm getting punched in the face, uh, which I feel like I'm a little callous or desensitized to that, but, uh, cause we're just kind of scoring points on each other. Um, but what I originally fell in love with was that, that physical chess match is still what I'm very passionate about, which is just that like the entire vibe in the, the arena and the, uh, the energy that between the fans, the music, the lights, the cage, uh, competing against my opponent, like every, like every moment of, I truly enjoy. How much do you actually, when you do a face off and, and somebody gives you attitude or talks about you ahead of time, like. Have you looked at any of your previous fights and you went like, God, that person really made me angry ahead of the fight? I, I have zero animosity to any person I fight, whether they uh, talk negatively to me or we're, we're still cool with each other. Um, it doesn't affect how I feel whatsoever. 
Um, to me, in my opinion, the person that wants to, you know, degrade me and hurt my self-esteem is really just trying to pump his self-esteem up. The more you talk, the less you feel confident. How are you able to emotionally, you just literally emotionally check out from all that? None of it's personal. No, yeah, n- none of it's personal. You know, growing up, I feel like guys, uh, you know, little boys fight each other like friends more than they fight other people. Roughhousing is just, you know, a thing that like guys enjoy doing. So fighting to me is just glorified roughhousing. And which which fighters right now do you look at and you're like, God, I love them overall, like as a person, as a fighter, like in any division? I, I think currently in, in my division, there's a, there's a guy named Donald Cerrone. And I just really love his mentality and kind of how he views life and, and how he views fighting. And uh, I mean, there's, there's a, a ton of fighters that like I draw inspiration of. Um, but I think Cowboy, as far as the mindset and mentality goes, I, I really enjoy it. Do you, do you remember the first time that like you got punched so hard or kicked so hard in a fight where you went, holy shit, <laughs> this just got real? Yep, I, I remember significantly. It was my first uh, uh, MMA fight or first cage fight when I was 17 years old. And it was actually like my first actual fight altogether. And uh, man, this guy hit hard, hit me right out the gate. And in that moment, I had to decide, like, am I a fighter or am I not? And uh, that's kind of when it made that switch. It was like, now I refuse to quit. Did that guy end up winning the fight or? No, I actually ended up winning that fight. And, uh, you know, as an amateur, I ended up being undefeated. But it was that moment that I decided that I would never give up on myself. I've always thought the fight sport is such a trip because unlike a lot of, like, so much of what you make is contingent on literally having a victory. I mean, depending on someone's contract. but like you can move up or down. And then also it's like antics outside of fighting. Suddenly they'll get more face time, but they could be just playing a character. And do you ever look at what's going on and get frustrated by it? Or I know you obviously you are, you're in the moment where you're in the moment, but like, do you ever go like, should I have uh, made myself like super villain Drew? Oh God. Yeah. That's painful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause you got the, the Conor McGregor's and those guys that just kind of run their mouth and make a show out of it. Uh, but unfortunately there's fighters that attempt to do that and it just, it, it doesn't work because they're not authentic. Who, who, who's, who's tried to do that, that you've seen? Um, uh, Colby Covington. Yeah. Where it's just like, it's just not authentic and it, it looks rehearsed and it's like, it doesn't look good. Um, so in my, my opinion, yeah, a lot of this r- relies on the antics and the, and the, the victories. I don't think that that's, that's solely it. I think, um, even if you lose a fight, if you put a 15 minute, three round fantastic war out there, uh, people really enjoy that. And, um, you know, and I don't think you really need to have a negative antics. I think if you know who you are, very comfortable who you are, and you just turn the volume up, then people really enjoy watching you fight. So for me, I just carry, carry myself with a lot of energy, talk to as many people and fans as possible. And when I fight, the outcome doesn't matter. It's how much I give into that 15 minutes. So win or lose, people are going to be entertained. And right now, these are the first fights. This is the first like athletic event. This will be the second UFC event. Uh, I know there's there's one a few days before yours. But um, how have you gotten a sense of from other fighters what this has been like? Uh, just not knowing if they're you know getting fights canceled and. Oh, yeah. This entire situation has been uniquely hard for everyone, fighter or, or not. But uh, as far as like my team goes, you know, gyms have to close down and you can't have group practices more than 10. And, and uh, you know, and the amateur fighters, the ones that are not allowed to fight in the UFC, don't know when their next competition is. 
So it's very uniquely difficult for every single one. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very privileged to be a part of the UFC and part of these these first couple of promotions. Um, but uh, I'm also trying to be mindful and trying to help out, you know, the other fighters that uh, don't know when their next paycheck will be. I mean, that's literally what it is. The way you get paid is, I mean, sure, there's endorsements and what have you here and there, but it's literally like you need that phone call to happen in order to make a living, unless you own a gym or a clothing brand or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I feel like that's, you know, a good time for fighters to kind of uh, check in with themselves and be, you know, fighting isn't a, a good uh, career to make money. You know, if you make it big, you make a gratuitous amount of money, but majority of fighters, like this is just a hobby. So you got to set other things in motion as far as things outside of fighting. And th- because this, this fight that's coming up, you're not going to have an audience. Meaning they're not going to no. be able to, so it's going to be quite quiet. You're just going to hear coaches yelling, right? Yeah, coaches yelling and probably the little two by fours underneath the mat in your feet. It's it's going to be it's going to be unique. So what do you do to mentally prepare for that? <laughs> We've been keeping the music off uh, during my training sessions and and keeping uh, yeah just all my sparring sessions been in silence. Just me and the and the coaches. Honestly, I think when you're there. Uh, it all just kind of falls into place. I think when, when you're finally there, because when you, when the audience is there, like I hear them, I enjoy them. And it's like, it's exciting getting to the cage. But once that cage door closes, just me and my mm-hmm. opponent, then everything else is, is, is diminished. Like I can, I only focus on my opponent. So I feel like this isn't going to be too far from that. And what, what would you say, like in terms of your fighting style, you're most known for? Uh, striking. So I'm, I'm known for my, my kickboxing or my boxing. Yeah, like you knocked that, that – I don't know who you fought the last fight, but you like knocked him out in the first round really quickly. And he, he, he actually seemed very confident in his abilities, you know, right before the fight. It's so hard to tell what's authentic when somebody is getting ready for a fight or in the ring. Right. What, what I draw from – and I was actually just talking to my barber yesterday about it. But I think the people that um, express more energy – really are, are they're, they're not comfortable inside so the people that i'm most intimidated by are the ones that look calm or look bored aren't really saying much right because then they're they're at peace they can cause damage where the guys that are just trying to pump themselves up showing a lot of energy um they're really doing it for themselves this fight that you have coming up how important is it that you win this fight oh, every fight's important every every fight is as important as last, but um, I don't. I don't try to put uh, too much thought on uh, the importance of a fight. I think uh, this is just another step on the ladder, uh, another chapter in my life, and I'm just trying to make it the best I possibly can, and that's all I can control. When you say every fight's equally important, explain. Give the breakdown of what you've seen in terms of like fighting and cards and monies and how the game works. Oh, so. I mean, there's a long internship in this in the, in the fight game. You know, when you when you uh, decide you want to be a fighter, you're not making much, and so you're you're doing everything you can to kind of just keep that hobby afloat. Um, but what entering the UFC, I mean, you get a pay raise, but we're not getting paid as much as other professional athletes. So you know, some guys still in the UFC keep you know maintain their jobs, and the reason why every fight is is significant because you're trying to get noticed by the UFC first, and then you're trying to like make a a name for yourself or even stay in the UFC every single fight. It's like the next opportunity to like move up in that ladder. And uh, this game is shoots and ladders. You know, you take a loss, you, you plummet and then you get a win and you, you soar. And uh, that's why every single fight is, is equally important. I started speaking, right? Like public speaking. 
uh, I was going to get some agencies repping me for speaking. And, you know, you travel around the country and they, you know, it's one of those things where they start paying you more and more money, the more you do or the bigger corporation. And it's Mm -hmm. a really odd thing because there's just, there's money attached to you, but it's kind of, um, unless you're actually like, can look at the amount of people who are buying because of that person, it's really just up in the air, right? It's, it's, It's an event. And some of the agencies were telling me, they're like, you need a bigger social media following. Then you'll be more sought after. And I'll be like, wait, so it doesn't matter how great of a talk I give. It really depends on my following. Like, what does that have to do with anything, but it's, it's similar in the UFC where they look at people's followings. Oh yeah, no, incredibly. Your name is a brand and you got to build that brand. And like, I consider it like a, like a stock and uh, you know, I've had fantastic performances that I kind of like floated under the radar just because like, I didn't carry that brand. And after my last, uh, my last fight, you know, my social media kind of blew up. And so now this next fight is, is, I mean, there's so much buzz around it. You got to be the best fighter you can be, but at the end of the day, you're also an entertainer and you're also trying to attract as many eyes as possible. And we do that through social media. Is that annoying at times? You know, I can't say that it is because, you know, like any other human, you know, I, I like the attention and, you know, I'm, I'm working super hard on my craft. Um, so when I'm getting more people vocalizing that they appreciate or don't appreciate my craft I, I i really enjoy that attention i mean like just on that point though like i find right on my social media it's ridiculous i could put the most thought and heart into something where i'm like i'm gonna put everything into this is gonna be great it's like i have this fantasy that this post is just this i mean this may go viral watch out and not all the time but sometimes i'm like and literally i'll do nothing and then i'll post something that means absolutely nothing to me and all of a sudden it increases my following. And it's this weird thing on social media where you're like, what actually works? Like, w- what do you find on your social media actually increases it? Because you post like the real, you post like sexy photos. <laughs> well edited and had great lighting. As a brand, do you feel like that's part of the brand? Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm a, uh better looking when it comes to most fighters. And so, and plus I'm, I'm young and youthful and in this, this game. So I was like, let's just take advantage of that. You know, my, my career has me constantly shirtless with a six pack. So like, I don't know how long I'm going to maintain this in my older age. So let's just take pictures of that. But I mean, you're right. Like I'll post a picture. I'm like, man, that looks great. That looks awesome. And I'll post it. And I was like, it's all right. And I'll throw something casual up, of just like a post training something or another. And like, people just love it. People also love her, love the pictures of me covered in blood. So I think it's just that that like that glory pictures that you know people love too. If you could do anything with your brand right now, the sky's the limit. What would you want more of? The big thing is just being appreciated, or more so having men like people around the world just enjoy my fights and and putting out there. And uh, you know, I want I want to live the Rocky story. I want you know these 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 legends, these stories to like accumulate and have like so many people like, Oh, I remember when Drew did this or, you know, drew that. And then uh, when that's all over, cause you can't maintain this, I, w- I would love to kind of help people because in this fight game, I've learned so much about overcoming obstacles and being in a present mind and all that stuff. So when I can no longer get punched in the face, I would love to help other people kind of, you know, uh, learn what I learned from fighting and it can adapt to any other part of life. You're saying if you could have anything though right now, like a brand, it wouldn't be because I feel like you're incredibly underrated overall. 
Like I've watched fights for years, all the way back since pride fighting. And I think you're incredibly mm -hmm. underrated, but I also feel like part of it is because you don't play the game that a lot of people play, which is like, you're not grabbing the microphone and being like F this person. And you know, like trying to sell a beer and like doing whatever else you're not trying hard in that sense. And I feel like, not that all fighters have to do this, but I just, I feel like, I don't know. I, I guess I look at you and think there probably will be a ton of opportunity that's going to start coming in for you just by you, I guess, staying the course of who you are, right? Right, right. No, I, I, I agree. You know, I, I refuse to be anyone that I'm not. And so when it comes to like, you know, behaving like that just to get fans, it, it's not going to work because like authenticity is, I think, what draws people's eyes, whether you're a bad guy or a good guy, but, you know, just being yourself is what people are attracted to. That's why Conor McGregor, like, that's who he is. And, uh, you know, I, I refuse to do it. And I think my opportunities and uh, my opportunities will grow as long as I maintain myself and uh, stay on the path. You know, everyone's path is different. And like the metaphor I always have, it's like, you just got to keep watering the plant and it's going to bloom when it blooms. People, you know, have these big things at like 23, 24 years old. I didn't have it at that age, but you're at 31, you know, going to be 32. Things are now blooming for me. And so I think it just goes to show that be authentic to yourself, keep on that path and things will happen. How much weight do you have to drop before your fights? Way too much. Like what, your weight class, is, is it 155, 165? 155. And I sit casually at like 185. And how, you lose 30 pounds in the course of how long? Uh, about an eight-week, 10-week period. Um, so I usually try to do the first 15 pounds with diet and exercise. And the last 15 is just sweating. Is, is it brutal? Um, it's not fun. <laughs> no one likes to like bake themselves in a, in a bathtub or a, a sauna. But... It is what it is. You got to do it. Is it? Do you get like super hangry or no? Yeah, hangry. But like, so we're trying to like lose weight and perform at our best abilities at the same time. So uh, weight cutting is, in my opinion, one of the hardest things about this job. It seems so odd to me. There hasn't been another solution where they're like, okay, here's, there's just no way though, right? Because there's always someone going to be dropping a ton of weight, right? Right, right. I mean... To get rid of weight, weight cutting altogether, you have to like live by the honor system. Like people just come in at the natural walking around weight, but it, you know that that's not going to happen. Um, the reason my cuts are so significant is because the next weight class above is 170, and I'm just not big enough for that weight class. Like guys are cutting a lot of weight, They're coming down from 200 pounds to get to 170, and I don't naturally get over 200 pounds. So I go from 185 to 155 because going from 185 to 170, I'm still the smaller guy. That's crazy. And, and and I know for a while, like some of the fighters, at least back in the day, they'd be on steroids and that stuff still pops up. Do you feel like still a lot of fighters mm -hmm. are doing it off season? And no, I think with with USADA, you know, we're we're constantly being tested all year round. You know, surprise testing that it's very hard to you know get by with it. You know, I'm sure there might be some people that um, are able to kind of get by the tests. But majority, majority of uh, the fighters in the UFC are, are clean. And your your fight is against Alexander Hernandez. Mm -hmm. And what would you say he's known for in terms of fight style? <laughs> uh, youth and energy. Uh, he, man, he's just like an athletic, energetic, youthful. Uh, yeah, I just think uh, his biggest attribute is just being an athlete. Um, not not any one particular like wrestling, jujitsu, boxing, like not, like not anything spectacular, but just 
keeping that, that athleticism going. And um, he's actually been known to uh, talk trash every once in a while, too. Yeah, and then because you guys didn't do an actual weigh-in, right? I, I still got to uh, figure out in Jacksonville, you know, what we're doing as far as uh, weigh-ins or, or the, the face-off goes. But, um, yeah, we weigh in on Tuesday. The day before. And have you always made weight? Yep, yep. I've never missed weight. And has anyone missed weight against you? Uh, yeah. And usually when that happens, you just take like a, you have a choice whether you want to continue fighting or not. And if you do uh, continue fighting, um, despite that, um, you get like a percentage of the uh, the opponent's fight purse. In terms of studying the fighter in advance, like, do you watch anything beyond their fights? Like, do you try to see their character, who they are, like anything? Or do you, do you have to stay away from that? Actually, so like, yes and no. I feel like when I watch the past, their past fights to kind of figure out what kind of a fighter they are, I can see who they are as a person in those fights. The cool thing about fighting is, uh, you know, as the rounds continue, you really see that person for who they truly are, like in that third round. And so I'm usually like really good buddies with a lot of uh, past opponents that I have just because like you can't be anyone you're not like in that third round. So when you watch past fights, you not only see like technically what they do, but like personality and, and mentally like who they are. And when you're in the training camps, are you constantly thinking in your training camps, you're fighting that person or you're just pushing yourself to be a better version of a fighter? Both. Primary, my goal is to uh, be the best self I can be and constantly growing on myself, you know, because he's watching film on my past fights. So I got to be better than my last. Then, yeah, I have a I have a date in mind. You know, I have this this person in my head that I'm thinking about for eight weeks. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to put my hands on them. It's so wild, too, because I think a lot of people, I think what it makes a great fighter great is their ability to get back up because the stakes are high. When somebody loses a fight, they lose a lot of money or they lose respect or they lose momentum. It's such a mental battle for someone to be able to like click into like, no, that was a moment I learned, I grow, I push forward. Do you think that like some fighters just have a hard time getting back up, getting that resilient? Yeah, I feel that resilience kind of comes from what you truly value. Um, if you're if you're in this for for the money, the fame, the the attention, all that stuff, you know, when, when you get knocked down, they they won't pick you back up. That money won't pick you back up. It's just like, what do you truly value? For me, my resilience has come from like this is what I truly want. This is what I truly love. You know, and so no audience, no money, no fame. This is still what I want to do, and uh, that's that's what you got to draw from. You know, when when you are presented with obstacles or you have to pick yourself back up. Your last loss was how long, how many fights ago? Three or four fights ago. And so when you lost that fight, that was against who? Uh, Benil Darouche. I imagine you went into the fight going, I'm going to win this fight, right? Like that's the mentality of every mm -hmm. fight, right? And then you mm -hmm. believe you're going to win the fight. You lose the fight. Do you feel ashamed at all when you lose? Uh, yeah, it's, embar it's, it's embarrassing to lose. Uh, you know, cause you, you show pretty much weakness in, in front of millions of people. Yeah. It, it's, it's super hard and, and other fighters don't take that well. You know, I, I had a loss or two, my two losses ago, it just didn't sit well with me. It was, there there was something that just like, I didn't have full control of the situation and that's why I lost. And so after that, you just got to reevaluate, you know, what, what you're doing as a person in and out of the gym or the cage or, or fighting. And, and yeah, like what's your process? So like, cause a lot of people even now, like they lost a job. They like, like to me, it's like the same thing. You lose a fight. You're essentially, there's fear like, uh Oh, am I going to be booked again or on a, as big a card or like all these things you right now have, 
I don't know what it is, 20 million people trying to get unemployment who got to pick themselves back up. What is your process? Because you, in front of millions of people, you lose. You're like, that sucks. I'm embarrassed. On top of that, there may be less opportunities to make bigger money because it's such a momentum driven business. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do mentally to like shift it? Oh man, there, there's stages. Uh, first and foremost, that embarrassment, it really just comes from, you know, whose opinion, like, are you, are you holding here? Right. Like me, the only opinion that matters uh, of myself is the one I have of myself. Right. And how do I view myself? And so after a loss, am I still a great fighter? Yeah, I still, I still truly believe it. Or it's like if I, if I feel like I'm a truly great fighter, then it doesn't matter what the other people saw. It doesn't matter what they, other people say. That's what I feel. And so, what am I going to do with that? And I was like, all right, well, I don't want that to happen again. So, analytically, like, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? Right. But I try to boil things down. It's like, well, why did that mistake happen? What was my thought process? Why was I thinking that? How was I feeling in that moment? Type of thing. And so that's why losses in, in fighting or losing your job or even tough situations it's um reanalyze what you truly value in yourself and then and then figure out like not everything is permanent you can't always win all the time you know people we go into the gym when we weight lift and we're seeking failure and it's in that failure that we we realize like i'm capable of this i'm not mm. capable of that how can i become capable of that in life you know, success and failure doesn't determine your value it's uh pushing forward and constantly growing. And that's, that's where the value will truly lies. When that happens, do you have certain people around you that you talk to it about? Do you like, is there like someone that helps coach you to think differently? So you're like, that helps pull you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, I have teammates and, and coaches that, uh, you know, I, I work to communicate my goals to, uh, just I communicate that these are the things I'm thinking. These are the things that I want. These are the things that I value as many times as I check in with myself, you know, they check in with me too, or maybe I'm not feeling too confident about something. And so I ask him or tell them, I'm like, you know, this is, this is how I'm feeling. And yeah, it, it's really, really beneficial to kind of have a couple of people around you that know what your goals are and what your values are. So that way, you know, you can check in with yourself, but also check in with them. Yeah. And like, when, when do you know you're getting bad advice? Cause I imagine you got so many opinions like, like fired at you in life, especially with a fight, like do this, do that. Oh, watch out for this. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I get a, a ton of advice. Uh, and I don't think there's ever bad advice, whether I want to use it or not. Like that doesn't mean it's like bad. How do you determine? I'll see if it, if it fits kind of like how I'm viewing the situation. It's all perspective. So your outside perspective, you've developed that opinion. However, in the inside perspective, it doesn't quite fall into place. It's great advice. And like, I appreciate, you know, people trying to tell me what I should and shouldn't do. That means they care. But when it comes down to it, like I listen, but I only collect the things that actually work. What I've noticed with you, even after your fights and with fighting and even talking to you now, what I love about you is you don't blame. You don't blame others. You're not blaming things around you. I mean, at least I've never seen that happen. Whereas like I'll notice with some people, once they start getting into the blame phase, instantly we become a victim. And then when we become a victim, it's impossible to figure out now what, right? Because we're just putting it on mm -hmm. someone or something else. So you're incredibly inspiring. We are all going to be Thank rooting you. for you, the Coach Mike base. I hope you win. And uh, I know you hope you win. And uh, I just appreciate it. So Wednesday, 
uh, Drew Dober will be fighting Alexander Hernandez. Yep, and it'll be uh, it'll be on ESPN Plus. So it's the ESPN uh, like a subscription that they have. And uh, Wednesday night, um, I'm the fight right before the co-main event. So we call that the feature bout. So we're here to make that exciting. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Anytime. You got it, buddy. Hey, everyone, don't forget to tune in to Drew's Fight Wednesday night, May 13th on ESPN+. Plus. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and download. Tell your friends. Bye for now.